Welcome to episode nine of Lost in Translation with Bobby Martin. I'm Sam Perkins, and we are joined today by an international basketball player, Antonio Bivens. Antonio played collegiately at UMass Lowell, not that far away from our our studios here at WCTV in Wilmington. Antonio, thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's good to have you here. So, Antonio, you just wrapped up a year, let me think, I was doing the math, seven, eight, somewhere around there? Seven. Seven? I, I think seven, but they, they, they get cloudy. They all start to merge into <laughs> each other. So it's one of those, though, for sure. So where were you playing this last year? Oh, I just finished up playing in Uruguay in South America. What was that like? I think you, you told me that was your first year in South America professionally. That was my first year in South America. It was, it was a culture shock. And despite being from Miami, I don't know that much Spanish. But once I, I broke down, I broke through all of that, it was, it was actually, I enjoyed all of it because it was, once I embraced their culture, like the cities that I played in, they all embraced me. And it was just, like, I just loved it. Like the people, the fans, and the basketball was good. And then to top it all off, the weather was beautiful. It's interesting that Uruguay is, uh, you know, I don't think of Uruguay as a basketball country, but it's, you know, you think of, Arge- when, when you think of like South America, the Caribbean, you think of Argentina, mm-hmm. you think of Puerto Rico to a degree because of their Olympic team in the summer league. But a lot of hoopers go to play in Uruguay that are like good hoopers. You think about guys that we knew, like Big Nick Billing, Smart mm-hmm. Flavin, they all played there. What was it? Bigua, I think was it was a team that, is that? Bigua, yes. Yeah. Bigua. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's what What was the basketball like down there? The basketball, well, let me tell you about the Bagua. Yeah. Bagua literally just won a championship for this season. But, and, like, they, like, that was a really good team. But as far as, like, the basketball there in general, like, it was, it was really good basketball. Like, high-level players, just team-oriented, just physical, not so much. Some teams played fast, but, like, just – Basketball, like 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 you said, like I never would have thought that because like just of the country itself, but like it was it was a, it was really good good high level basketball. Like the names that I came across, it was just like oh wow, he's here, he's here. Like it was mm-hmm. just it was great. Well, I'm I'm impressed already because uh, I heard you pronounce Bigwa. Yeah. And Antonio said Bigwa. Yeah. Bigwa, <laughs> I love it. So you're ingratiating yourself to the culture. Absolutely love it. Sp- anybody listening to this in Spanish will be happy. I about can't it. speak. Uh, you know, my wife's <laughs> nice my wife's Puerto Rican. My older son under- speaks some Spanish, but I, yep. I nope. Yeah, I can't speak it. But I I can't speak it. But if you talk to it, if you talk to me slowly, I could catch trigger words, and then I just I could use context clues and figure out the rest. <laughs> so, you know, you 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 hopped around a bunch. Well, you spent prolonged period of time in Luxembourg you played in Finland you've played in you know Europe before going there but kind of going back you're you're from Miami right or Mm -hmm. and how did you you went from Miami and you wound up at UMass Lowell when they were a division two school how do you wind up at U Lowell why would you leave the weather in Miami to come up then the nightlife in Miami to come up to Lowell (laughs) which you know when you started a decade ago Lowell was was not really being developed the way it is now and you must not have come up in the winter for recruiting trip at all. <laughs> Funny story, I could remember my recruiting trip like it was yesterday. It was the first weekend of April. <laughs> I came from a Friday to a Sunday. It was the first weekend in April. And so I come up fresh out of Miami. I don't know I know nothing about nothing. So I get on 
the airplane, not checking the weather because I know it's hot in Miami. It's April. Oh it's, it's fine. <laughs> so I get on the airplane in a T-shirt, my high school basketball T-shirt, <laughs> some gym shorts, and Jordan flip-flops. I'll never forget it. I land. Welcome to Boston. No, I, I landed in, I want to say I landed in Manchester. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. So yeah. I landed, and then, like, you know how you have to walk through the tunnel yep. to get to the actual airport? I said, shit, is cold outside. <laughs> like, what's this? And then I get outside, and Coach Kuntz, he picks me up. He's like, yo, man, you didn't check the weather? I'm like, no, it's right, hot check, in Miami. Check the weather up. Like, Miami, I thought, that is the weather. For me, like, <laughs> hey, for me, it was either hot or rainy. And then if it rained, when, it, when the sun came out, it was hotter. <laughs> so that was a major culture shock. Wow. But as far as, like, how did I get to Lowell, it was just – I slept through the I slept through the, I slipped through the cracks like I was kind of a late bloomer like I mean I was always athletic you could say yeah. but it was just like I slept through the, I slipped through the cracks and then I had like my grades weren't the best either if we're just being like totally mm-hmm. transparent my grades weren't the best and then like you low coach Coons, they took a chance on me and that was the only scholarship I had so it was never a option for me to leave Miami and go somewhere else so I was just I just went what is, what is it what do you mean slip through the cracks tell, tell me about that process what were you feeling at that point in time uh, because my whole I slipped through the cracks because may, or maybe I thought I was better than what I was because I was I was always athletic I was a difficult guard because I was left I was left handed mm-hmm and, like, growing up, I was always good enough to either be the first or second pick. I was always one of the better players on my team. Mm-hmm. But then when it came down to the recruiting process, it didn't unravel the way I expected it to. How did you expect it? At least to have more than one scholarship. I mean, it's crazy to me. just because. But I only really got to see you as a senior. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about your senior year in a bit because that was just a crazy senior year anyway. But, like, lefty... Legit six six, you know. A lot of guys mm-hmm. that are listed at six six are like six four. You know, someone's close to you, you're like, this dude's a legit six six. They could list you at six seven, six eight, probably in the basketball world. Can shoot it, athletic as hell. I mean, the fact that even if the grades were that there weren't more D two offers to me is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, that that's just because when you finally got to play at the Division one level, you killed it. You're coming off an Achilles injury and everything, and just murdered that league. No one could guard you mm-hmm. uh, in the America East conferences. That's crazy. Uh, did you play AAU? Yeah, I played AAU growing up for a team called Gold Coast. Gold Coast? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you feel like, you know, between AAU and high school, do you feel like Division One coaches or, or other D2 coaches got to see you, or do you feel like they just never even saw you, that you didn't get the exposure back then? Oh, no, I think, I really believe I got the exposure. I think with me, it was it was like, it was more of a grades thing. And then in the South, back then, 2009-2010, prep school wasn't prevalent, like in the Florida, Miami area, especially, especially for basketball. Maybe a few football players went mm-hmm. prep, but like the colleges, the certain colleges that they were going to go to post-prep encouraged it. So like, I never knew much about prep until I got here. Like, wait, you're 20 years old? How are you a freshman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, the, you know, no, I just went to prep yeah. school. And then, so like, I never, we never really understood that. Especially like my parents and I, we never really understood that. How how old were you as a freshman? 
Were you 18, 19? I was 18. I graduated 18. I graduated high school on my 18th birthday. That's crazy. See, that's if you had prepped to, you would have been, you know, a year or two even older. Uh, if you would have been a, a, like 23, 24-year-old senior instead of a 22-year-old senior, like, mm-hmm. can't imagine what that senior year would have been mm-hmm. like. <laughs> yeah, and you get a chance to develop, you know, just both mentally and physically. Exactly. You know, I mean, wow, that would have been nuts. I... Uh, I was a lot like you. I graduated at 17 and uh, was taking classes just before I turned 18 at that summer, mm-hmm. at the end of that summer. And totally different world, right? You're walking in there so young, playing against all these older guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. A prep year for you would have been nuts. Oh, that yeah. belie- I, I Honestly, I believe it because yeah. then, like, I would have been able to, excuse me, excuse me, to mature more, mm-hmm. get, like, I mean, I've never been the biggest guy, but... I probably could have got a little stronger. Uh, now I could have been removed from high school. Mm-hmm. That middle, in between high school and college, that would have gave me more confidence in, as well too. Because I, I believe my freshman year, I didn't really play that much. To be yeah, my freshman I year. looked up the stats. I remember you didn't didn't play a ton your freshman. I year. I didn't play that much my freshman well, year. That almost forced you to grow up quicker then, mm-hmm. because you weren't playing. How do I, I figure this out? I didn't like it. Like right. that was right. the first time <laughs> in my life I, I wasn't playing. It was yeah. we had five wow. freshmen. And I was the one getting the short end of the stick, mm-hmm. but not because of like favoritism. Yeah, I just wasn't good. Yeah, it was it was what you, Akeem, Kerry, Daryl uh, Ward, yeah, and Chris Thompson. Okay, and yeah, because I think Kerry used to play over you early on, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Every everybody played over me. <laughs> my freshman year, like the beginning of my freshman, year, everybody played over me because I couldn't figure it out. I was frail. What I was, what I, what got me there to be, what got me was the reason why I was there. I couldn't even do that anymore. But just because I was lacking confidence, because I was still athletic, it's just you bumped me like this, and now I'm off my track. Mm-hmm. Just that light of a bump. So physically, it wasn't you just weren't capable of Mm-mm. holding and up. And then it was just then it was like, damn, am I even that good? So what was that mental process? Is you because you played, you end up playing the end of your freshman year. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what was that transformative that 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 thing? That helped you that get over it over. Yeah, what was it? I I called my my like I consider him my mentor, but my football my football coach from high school. I called mm-hmm. him. I said because he played professionally in Canada, mm-hmm. he went mid major Division One, and like he was for me, he was what I aspired mm-hmm. to be, but just on the basketball side. So I called him. I said, "Hey, coach, like I don't want to be here. Like it's cold. I'm not playing. This isn't for me." And then he said, hey, like, you either got to, it's just the saying, you either got to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> so then it was, he said, hey, go talk to your coach and figure out why you're not playing. Like, mm-hmm. it's a reason. And then f- once you do that, figure it out. Because, but prior to that, everything that I wanted came to me easily, naturally. Mm-hmm. God gave me the abilities. Mm-hmm. So that was my first, like, really piece of adversity. So then, I mean, obviously I didn't go right away because I'm 18, so I'm like, Fucked, I'm still gonna play. But then I was like, all right, all right. Maybe two or three games go by. I'm sitting whole entire halves. Come in the game, play for four or five minutes. And next time I get up, I'm shaking hands. So then it's like, all right, like, this isn't this can't be a thing. And then I'm seeing all of my other freshmen that came in with me, they're doing well. I'm not jealous, but I'm saying I want that too. So I finally go in there and talk to Coach Coons. I say, hey, coach, like. What, why, why, am I not, why, why am I not playing? And then he said, well, you're not strong enough. 
like I'm, I'm missing layups and dunks and like I was a tricky I was a tricky basketball player where like I didn't really have a position yeah mm-hmm. so like I could play the three maybe the two and I also could play the four but then I wasn't handling I wasn't handling the ball that well to play a guard and then I wasn't strong enough to box out a four Mm-hmm. So it's just like it was. It was just a bad. I was in a bad spot. And then once I I figured that out, came start coming to practice early, start just shooting. Maybe staying a little later after practice. And then I start seeing the turnover, the the success. And then I gained my confidence. And then it became fun again. And so was that was that turnover? Did it come right away, or did it still take time? I say maybe it took. Like a month, month and a half, two months, because I started playing more toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And then I started having like maybe like a few 15, 12 point games. And I want to say I ended the season with like a 20 point game. But like the regular season, not in the um, not in the tournament. And then it was just like, okay, like I can do this. I just now I just have to lock in. And I locked in. And- so did you get a lot physically stronger or was this just a. A, a mental and emotional growth thing that, that pushed you forward? I think mainly it was just mentally, mentally and emotionally, and mm-hmm. then, like, I got my confidence back mm-hmm. because, like, that's one thing, like, I may have, at times, I may have too much of is confidence. So, like, <laughs> like once I got that back and then, like, I started feeling like myself again, it was, for me, it was history because, as we see, like, I didn't put on much weight. Right. So it was, I did get, I did gain strength, but then, that strength that I gained in the weight room, I gained more confidence because I wasn't shying away from contact now. Mm-hmm. I can't believe here, and you know, I mean, I know the freshman and the growth from, especially when you're an 18 year old freshman to being a senior, but you know, you, I hear in like, oh, you were missing dunks. I never saw you miss a single dunk, you know, that your senior year, man, and you were dunking on. I still have on my computer, I got a shot of the last dunk of your college career. My last you, two points. The, the, the one that you put on the kid from Maine's head. That was I, I got a still photo of that. Wow. It's a thing of beauty. It's a nice I still have that. I still have that on my on my uh, my computer. Is Come that on. the photo? My <laughs> last two college Let points. Let me see that. My last two college points. I got subbed I out to a standing yeah. ovation. <laughs> I got subbed out to a standing yeah, ovation. I can, I'm not gonna forget that. Uh, in the simulcast, I will put the video of that in the simulcast mm. right now while we're talking about it because he got that kid. Nice. I think that the kid <laughs> he went back to Finland, turned pro after that. I feel like you ended his college career. <laughs> He was like, "Nope, I'm out of here." Only thing, only mad thing, only thing that makes me mad about that play is it wasn't a sports center top ten play. I don't know how that wasn't. <laughs> they both, it was the fast break. They jumped at the same time, and it just. Well, it looks like they caught you still going up. Yeah, you were still going up mm-hmm. on that, right? Yeah. Like it was, it was something. Because uh, wow. I remember Kerry had an alley oop in the first half mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kid, uh, Kerry Weldon, who they're both about the same height, both kind of athletic, okay. play the same position. Uh, and it used to always be like, who's going to get the best dunk in a game between the two of them? And he, mm-hmm. I, he had that one, but then you came down to the other in the second half and went out with the with the better dunk in that. <laughs> that was that's true. I forget about that carry dunk. That was a crazy game in yeah. general, though, because that was our last game and yeah. we didn't have any postseason play. So it was our senior night and it was our last game. Yep. So then, like I remember that. I remember that week. Coach Duke brings me in the office because I don't start. Yeah. I was that was coming off the bench my senior season. So Coach Duke brings me in the office, and it's like, hey, it's senior night. 
I want to say it was five of us because yep. it, it was me, Carrie, yeah, Paris, yeah, Akeem, Namzo, and Akeem. So yeah, yeah we yeah. had we had five. So he was like, it's five seniors, but it was like it was not my decision, but I, yeah. like he he wanted he he wanted to hear my input. He was saying like, I mean, a senior night, like how do you, like how do you feel about like us starting all of you guys? I was like, honestly, for me, all I wanted to do was just win the game because I didn't care for starting at that point because. I went the entire well, the entire conference yeah. where I started, and I felt I found I fell into my niche, I fell into my role, and then I was comfortable with it. But then he said, "Senior night, like usually I start all of my seniors, da da da. Like, what do you want to do?" I said, "Honestly, like let's just play this like a normal game, as normal as we possibly can make this game, and let's just win." But then, so like that that happened. Like that whole game was weird because it was just like a weird just a aura in the gym that day for us because we knew that was our last game together. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was my, like that was our last game playing as a Riverhawk. So then the beginning of that game, it was prior to Kerry getting that yep. dunk, it was it, we were playing bad. But like pe- some people don't remember that. Like we were playing bad. And then like I don't want to say this like this because like I don't want to sound selfish, but then when I came off the bench, we then we went on a spark, then we went on a run. I, because, you can but, say it. I was just looking up the uh looking up the numbers here because I I was gonna going to rattle this off because it was crazy to me. So you're we was going to talk about the senior year. So that before that year, you guys it, it's announced that you're moving up from division 2 to mm-hmm. division 1 going into your senior year. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know before it was announced that you guys were going to be moving up or was it a total shock that you guys were going D1? Uh totally true. Honestly, uh honestly, when I got recruited, coach G told us we were going to be D1 by my senior year. But then Fast forward, going. This was our junior year when we found out. Our junior year, we heard rumblings. We heard it that it was close, and before they announced it, like publicly, yep, they told us maybe like a week or two in the locker room after a game. And what was the re- what was the what was the feeling when it when when you guys heard you're going D one for your it senior was year? Going to like it was like it was just like all right, fine. So now let's we can see like because in D two we were always we were always respected in the N E ten. Yep. But then now it's just like now you're gonna move up in D in the D one in America East with the the BU's the Stony Brooks and the the Albany's and yeah. Vermont's they were they yeah. were like the top guys. So then it's like so now let's see if we can compete there because we always when we had our D one games in the preseasons, like we always played them well. We lost to Providence at the buzzer one year. Yeah. We played UConn tough Kevin Ollie's first year. Yeah. We we beat Dartmouth. Yeah. So like we always competed or won against D one. So now it's now it's time to put the rubber now the rubber meets the road. Like what are you really gonna do? And then when did you when did you tear your Achilles? At what point? Uh, that summer, that summer working out because I stayed I stayed at Lowell just to meet like Duke and stuff and yep. just to stay engaged. And it was D one, so I knew that had to be my biggest summer. So like that, I was working out the most I've ever did. Lifted just, just like just locked, just in, engulfed in basketball because I didn't want to be a D one athlete and then yeah be terrible. Right. So I did that, but there was the summer. Like it was the last Thursday in July, and then I got my I got surgery the first Tuesday in August. Were you originally? Do you remember what what your feelings were right when you found out you heard like it's a it's a because I, I remember tearing my Achilles, and it, <laughs> I was playing in a game. It sounded like a tire blowing out. That's what it and was for you. Yeah, yeah. When 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 my because that was a, mine was a total rupture. Mm-hmm. I don't know how yours was, but I went to cut 
to go for a rebound, and it was just like, wow. and I went down, but I was like, everybody was like, who was that? And I was like, that was, everybody heard it. Mm. And I was like, that was me, but I'm on the ground, and I'm able to move my toes, and I'm like, hmm, maybe it's not that bad. I pick my leg up, and and because the Achilles is what controls lifting your I like and, hearing and stories about people tearing their shoes, so, so I, I, I want to compare I, mine. I, so I lift my leg up because I'm sitting on the ground, and my foot is just dangling. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not good at all. Uh, like, did you, when it happened, did you know it was something bad right away? or? So I'll tell you this. When it happened, it was, I was, I was playing pickup. I was, earlier that day, I was working out. So then, like, I said, okay, this is my chance to try a new move. You've seen me play before. Yeah. I don't go right yeah. at all. <laughs> so I try. I was working on an overhead rip through to the right side. So I was on the I was on the left elbow. Um, yeah, the left elbow. So I said, "All right, I could try it now because I've been doing it all yeah. day early today." So I put. I go overhead rip through. I go to push off my left leg, and before the ball even hits the ground, boom! It pops. But I don't know what it is right away because it feels yeah. like you get kicked. Yep, exactly. So yep. there was somebody running behind me, like trying to like clear space. Yeah. So simultaneously, I go like this, boom, he disappears from this side, so I fall. And then I say, damn. They say, damn, what happened? So they're saying travel. I'm like, well, I didn't travel. You just kicked me. Mm -hmm. And then they're saying, no, Tone, like, nobody kicked you. And my personality, I play play around a lot. So they're like, stop playing. Like, come on, like, you're slowing up the pickup game. Come on, let's go. And I was like, wait, oh, wait, nobody kicked me? And I was like, damn, so what was that? So now, then I look down at my feet. My feet are solid on the ground like this, but my left foot feels like yeah. this, like it's just hanging. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, damn, I've rolled my ankle plenty of times, so this isn't an ankle. And I don't want to say Achilles out loud yeah. because Kobe had just tore his maybe mm-hmm. a month or so before that. So I said, I don't want to say Achilles out loud. I said, what happened? I said, I don't know, I think it's my ankle. So I tie my shoes tighter. Then I try to get up. Yeah, oh man. And then I tried to walk, and I, was, I just couldn't. Like, it was no pain. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And then they carried me out to the side. Then I'm saying, damn, this is this my ankle, though, right? So then I go back to low. The trainer comes in the low. Excuse me. She, apparently, she, she tells me she knows what it is right away, but she don't want to be the one to tell me. Yeah. So I go to the doctor the next day. They don't, even, they don't take an x-ray. No yeah, MRI they, they can do a little task. Yeah, yep. they, they, they squeeze your yeah. calf. My, my leg yeah. was limp. Mm-hmm. They told me what it was right away. I cried maybe for the rest of the day because I, th- I thought it was done. Because yeah. prior to that, because they were, they were writing Kobe off, yeah. and I know Kobe's way better than me. <laughs> so they were writing Kobe off. I know what happened to Dominique Wilkins and it happened to a lot of other people, and it, just, it was just over for them. Yeah. And my, my, the reason why I've made it this far was my athleticism. So you're going to tell me I can't be an athlete anymore? What am I, just be a spot-up shooter? It's not my thing. So it was just scary. What what was crazy to me is you, the normal recovery for a torn Achilles is a year. Mm-hmm. You came back six months later, something like that. I mean, I got surgery in August, so September, so, October, November, December, January. Five months later, played that's, in January. That that to me is that's an unheard of recovery time. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a a doctor but just from when I went through it myself I was in really good shape and and an athlete and what the doctors told me you know that a five months recovery from a torn Achilles is just that is unheard of what was your rehab process I mean you must have been in there 
but it's just it was just like for me I just say it was God because mm-hmm. like think about it I played in January so imagine when I began practicing mm-hmm. was it a complete rupture mm-hmm. rolled, rolled all the way up to that, the top that, of my that, that's, mm-hmm. that is unheard of that, yeah. that did you know all along that you were going to try and come back that year no clue no clue not a, not a clue like I, it wasn't real to me that I was going to get clipped because I started practicing. We played in January. I want to say in, like, the beginning of December. Like, my first five-on-five, five, the the training words are off, practice. Oh, but I'm just on the, the scout team was December. Because I remember the game notes that they used to put out for those, that whole beginning of the year it said right in the game notes for in your bio it has like you know blah did this this and this will redshirt this season mm-hmm. they, it was they that were was saying the... that you were going to redshirt up until and then i remember the umbc game the first conference game mm-hmm. uh you're out there i got on the court early yeah and you were out there i show because i used to show up early and like you're out there in uniform and i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody nobody knew who listen you should have seen the umbc coaches Oh, I know, because they're one of their assistants, Jay Green, is really good, was a really good friend of mine. Uh, he's a great player at UMBC, um, but he was like, he came over to me before the game. He goes, "Is Bivens playing?" Nobody I was knew, like, "Nobody." Knew I was like, game. "Last game, it said he was redshirting this year. I don't know." <laughs> but but listen, ready, listen. To this. So their Division One year, they started, they played twelve games to start, uh, you know, before the new year. 11 of them were against Division I teams. They lost all 11. Mm-hmm. 0-11 against D1. They had one win against the D3. Okay. He doesn't play. He comes back, and they go 8-8 eight eight the rest of the year. So they went 0-11 without him against D1. They go 8-8 eight eight the rest of the year. They finished wow. with, a, with a 500 record in the American East Conference. But it was totally, I mean, it was the exact same team, except you came back, and nobody could guard you like in, in the, at a Division I conference. Nobody could guard him. Mm-hmm. Uh do you remember what it was like to find, to get out there that year? What your feelings were before the first game? Mm-hmm. Before the, I could even go back to the conversation Coach Duke and I had prior to me getting on, prior to me playing. So this was this was during Christmas break. So I, we come back, I come home, I talk to my parents. I said, "Hey, like, I think it's a real chance that like I'm going to get cleared because nobody's n- nobody knew that I was practicing." And then in Lowell, we always we practice in the morning. Mm-hmm. So like not really not people were even in the facility mm-hmm. knew what was going on. So then and everybody was just like, he can't be telling the truth. Like because the Yeah. That's the it has to take it has to take a year. I mean it could be a year. They said know, eight to twelve months. Yeah. And we're at five. Well before that, before five, we we're at yeah. four. Mm-hmm. They said eight to twelve months. And like I was jumping, like dunking, I was like athletic again. And then it was like, yo, but this can't be true. Like, he has to have something wrong with him. No swelling. Like, and then they was like, but he has to just be rushing it. Like, he, it can't be that strong yet. I passed all the tests. But then it's like, no, but it can't be true. And then I, I remember sometimes in practice I would do certain things. I would shock myself, but, like, I would have to keep it together. And then like, I could see out the corner of my eye, like, Coach Duke, Coach Biko, Coach Nick. Or Coach Harden, like, yeah, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> how do you do that? Yeah, like, yeah. wait, yeah. what is that? And I didn't even know. 
And then I'll after practice, I'll go to the trainer, get my massage and stuff and like ice. She'll be like, how you feel? I feel fine. I said, no, but Tone, like you could be honest with me. Kristen, like, I promise you I feel fine. So then it's like, damn. So I went on, I went on with that for like maybe almost a month. And then finally Duke sits me, sits me down in the office. He says, okay. He was like, we're going to make the doctor appointment so you can see the doctor. Hey, as we see what's going on, he's probably going to clear you once he finds out what's going on. So, like, what do you want to do? The decision's up to you. Because we, set, we anticipated you to redshirt. But, like, like you said, we went... We only had one yeah, game. Yeah. We only had the one win prior to that. So now I'm in a pickle because I know confidently I'm the missing piece. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, do I want to play in these 16 games? I think it was 17 because we played NJIT. Oh, that's right. Before yeah, yeah. They, so you, um, guys, before they, you guys finished with a winning record once you came back because you had a non-conference game in there. So you actually went 9-8 and eight against mm-hmm. Division One. That's right. So I was like, okay, we'll have 17 games. I could put some film together because the end goal for me was always to go overseas a professional. Mm-hmm. So that was the end goal. So I, was like, I could always do that. Or do I want to watch watch the rest of these games, possibly watch them lose, but I know I'm, now I know I'm healthy, and then come back the next full season and, have, and be like a, a pivotal piece because they, we, we, they were younger, way super young yeah. that, year, that next year. But then it was like, me and Akeem are like this. Yeah. Me and Carrie are like this. So it's like, it was just never really an option. I was gonna, I was gonna ask how much your relationship with those other seniors played into you deciding to come back. Me and Akeem took our visit to Lowell together, and me and the Carrie, me and Carrie were attached by the hip up until 2014. Okay. So I'm, I'm assuming Akeem had uh, winter clothes when he came on his visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, but, but he, he's a he's local kid. He's, he's, not, he's, he's, from, he's from Brock. <laughs> but yeah, he was definitely he was okay. definitely dressed <laughs> he was definitely dressed correctly. You, you know the craziest thing. I don't mean to get sidetracked, but so Stony Brook was a really good team in the league, but they kept not getting to the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. year and year and year. And, um, I don't. When you were there, did they have Jameel Warney? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, okay, so mm-hmm. you were there. So. So Stony Brook, they finally, Pykele finally got to one NCAA, their coach went to, left to Rutgers. They could have gone a lot sooner because they had Akeem, and they took his scholarship back mm-hmm. that they offered him. That's how we got him. Yeah, like because they thought they could get a better player. And if they had just stuck with Akeem, like, mm-hmm. they, he was a monster. The, Akeem Williams played, played at UMass Lowell. He's like 5'9", like okay. 220 pounds of just muscle. <laughs> but he's that guy that doesn't look the part. He looks like a running back or full base mm-hmm. in the little kind of like radio so, yeah so a lot of guys, right? he, uh yeah raheem from, raheem, from yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah except akeem's like twice okay radio. Oh, wow. but like he's one of those guys that didn't look the part so division one coaches don't offer him he was a monster when he finally got there i mean the same thing as the he two of you guys the yeah basketball so what was that that run like when you finally came back and you get to you only get a half a season though mm-hmm but to be a Division One athlete for half a season and, and be just, you know, putting the ball in people's head. It day was, day. honestly, it was awesome because it was just like the games were bam, bam. It was a quick, maybe like, I think it was like two or three months quick, yeah. but it was it was just it was just good because, like I said earlier, like I knew that I was the missing piece. And then like I came in and then I was the sixth man. And then it was just like, this is fun. Because that's when like J.R. Smith and yeah. like 
Jamal Crawford and like all of those, they were on their run in the NBA without like coming off the bench. And then mm-hmm. I was like, I'm kind of similar like that, but like it was like it was just it was just fun. And like I don't know, like you see, like I'm like I'm starting to like like start sweating just thinking about it again because like Duke would just look down the bench, let's just go, and then we just play defense. We get easy runouts. I just get my easy dunks because of Akeem. And then, like, it was just it was just easy. But, it, but like, the most of it, it was just fun. And then we were winning, and then we were playing. And then, like, playing, I'm play, back playing with my brothers. It was just a great—for me, it was just a great time. So when it comes to an end, and I know your goal was always to go overseas, mm-hmm. I think a lot of Hoopers don't— and Bobby can can kind of take over for me because this is his area of expertise. But they don't understand. They think, oh, I was good in college or I was whatever, you know. I'm just going to find a place and I'm going to make bank and do whatever overseas. What was that experience like of then trying to go become a pro? Okay. Boom, it's over. Because that's it's just that's just how fast it is. Yeah. It's over. We talked about the main dunk. I said it's done. Yep. There's no more. Duke's not chasing us to come play pickup anymore, to stay in shape. Now it's all, it's all up to you. But I signed with an agent, and then it just it went dark. I didn't play right. I didn't play my first year out of school. That's right. Like I I was I thought it was gonna be that easy, like you said. Like okay, I did what I did in America East. I won six men of the year, third team all conference. I ended up being a thousand point scorer, and that was it. And then so I graduated, whatever. I stayed I stayed a little bit over in the summer just to like work out, stay in shape. But then as the August months starting to come back, comes to come closer, and then I would try to reach out to my agent, and then it was, we were talking in circles. And then it was like, damn, maybe I'm not that good. Then it's, then the regret creeps in. Maybe you should have just stayed, redshirted, because he, he, like, Duquette really, he, he okayed. He said, the decision's yours. He said, because I want you for both. I want you to play after this season and then come yeah. back next season because of like my leadership and just like just my like just my energy mm-hmm. to help because they were young. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, shit, like I rather not like now thinking back on it, that's my may, maybe my only regret, but I probably still would do it the same the same way. But like I was like, damn, maybe I'm not that good. So then I go home. Now I'm in back in Miami. And now I'm seeing like all my friends, everybody going over and stuff like that. And then like the season starting, and I'm home. And then it hit me. Like, you have to go be an adult. But then like I was kind of like one foot out, one foot in. So not many people know this. I went. I started working at Target. Like uh, the 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 late night shifts, the, the unloading the boxes. But they, like only like my family and like maybe like a few other people. But I started working at Target. And then I would do that, get off maybe at like five or six in the morning, take a nap, and then go work out to try to stay in shape. But then I it started getting dark. Like I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So then I just stopped working out. Then I was then I kinda like engulfed myself into being a target worker, unloading boxes, red shirt, khaki pants, unloading boxes, three o'clock in the morning. And then randomly an agent reached out to me on Facebook. Simeon Freeman Cress reached out to me on Facebook. This is like maybe April. I graduated 
the mm-hmm. year prior. This is like the wow. April. He reaches out to me on Facebook. Hey, I seen your numbers. Uh, like I'm a, I'm a, like I'm a small I'm a, like I'm a small agent, but like I think I could have a job for you in Luxembourg. Like, how do you feel about that? I've been getting the runaround so much that whole year with the other agent. Mm-hmm. I was just I kind of just like shrugged them off. Okay, mm-hmm. like whatever. He was like, sit like, do you have any like do you have any like highlights and stuff? Sent them my highlights, but I forgot about it because at this point I start I like I I start losing my trust. And then maybe like this is April, maybe like. A month and a half later, because it was before my birthday, so maybe like a month and a half later, like uh, late May, he 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 um, he reaches out to me. He said, "Hey, he sends over two contracts: the contract for a team and the contract to sign with his agency." I was like, "Oh shit, it's real again!" And then I just hit the ground rolling, and then I started back training. I told I went to Target. I told him, "Hey, I got it," and like they were happy for me because they knew. Like, they knew, like, my story, but then, like, mm-hmm. it was just crazy. But, yeah, but, like, it was it was definitely difficult. And, like, I I definitely had times where I wanted to just stop playing basketball, but then as soon as I want to say, okay, I'm, a, I'm officially done, something will happen would make me, like, the agent will reach out to me or, like, maybe, like, a close friend back home will be like, hey, let's go play pickup over here somewhere. And, like, I'll still be good without touching the basketball maybe, like, a month. Then it's like, damn, okay, so I know I'm good. But am I just not that good? It was it was a battle. But once I got over, it was I was thankful and grateful for it for sure. So that's what that's what life is like for guys who don't get drafted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Incredible story. Incredible story. Most most kids don't understand that. All right. Like they did their dreams that you had when you're in college. Mm-hmm. But you had mentioned after that last game, right? Nobody's begging you to come in the gym anymore. So now it becomes your dream. It's mm-hmm. not shared with anybody else. And you had to sit there for a whole year, or basically a whole season. Mm-hmm. And it, what what were your thoughts then? I mean, how dark did it get? Because the whole world is telling you no at that point, right? Mm-hmm. The agent's like, you got an agent, he's supposed to get you something, you're trusting him, and all of a sudden, like you said, you're running around in circles, right? What did that feel like? It was, It was just terrible because, like, I know I graduated, but I know I, I'm good enough to play basketball like as a pro overseas because I'm seeing certain guys go over. I'm saying, yo, I know I'm better than him. I had my way with him in high school. I did what I wanted against him in college. Like, what's going on? And then it's like, well, all right, well maybe I'm not that good. Damn, I did get hurt. Then you start, you start questioning yourself. Damn, I only do go left. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I would have, <laughs> maybe if I would have did this differently, it would have did it. Maybe yeah. if I did these like, then it's, damn. Maybe it was. Maybe you are a little arrogant. It's just like everything, like everything just creeps up into you. And then it's like, like, and then while I was at Target too, I didn't even say, I forgot to say this part. While I was at Target, I was gonna start putting in motion to go be a correction officer. Mm-hmm. Because I, I I graduated in criminal justice, okay. so then it was like, hey, like I could, like you know what, like, all right, this basketball is done, so let me just go do that. But then, like I said, every time I was like try to get away from it, something will always bring me back. And then it would be like, then well, I do love it, so let me maybe try. Mm-hmm. And then like my 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 parents, my mom and my dad, like they did, like they were on me, but they still like supported me. So that that for me that really helped too. 
And like and like I mentioned earlier, my mentor, like he like he kept me engaged, like just come kept me bring coming to the um my high school that I graduated from, just work out, just talk to me, just to see what my head is, just to just to talk, just to just to, just just to get me away from like let's say reality for a little bit, mm-hmm. and that also helped too. So would you say that your as much as you had to fight through, would you say that your biggest competition was against yourself? Mm-hmm. It was for sure. Because it was just like, instead of questioning myself, like I should have, like I should have just trusted the work that I did. Like, but this is what I do now. Like, I should have just trusted the work that I that I put in, control what I can control, and let the chips fall where they may. And like that's why that's why I'm at with it now. Like, even if I I could lose a game, but if I know personally, I went in there prepared. I did everything I I could I could do. Even I, even if I don't shoot the ball well, or like I don't have a good game statistically. But I did everything I did, like effort. I tried. I cared. I didn't shortchange myself or my teammates. Whatever happens with the results, that's what happens. So are you making the distinction then between, and I'm asking because you're playing in Europe. Mm-hmm. So you are basically playing on year-to-year contracts, mm-hmm. right? Nothing is guaranteed. So you are always finding a way how to reinvent yourself every time you step out on the court. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, there'll be somebody quick, quickly. <laughs> Talk to me about that quickly. Like I'm thankful, knock on wood, and grateful to have played. Every season I've played, I didn't get cut. But with that being said, I've seen mm. hundreds, maybe thousands of Americans come and go like a, a revolving door, and it's just a week to and like that. It was it was fear. At one point, and then it's like, then I try to like pick people's brains, and I try to like listen to them, like just like I ask a question, and I just let them go, mm-hmm. and then I say, oh, and then the, some things I was picking up was, oh, they're not working out, they're not like they're not they're not doing it, cause like like you said, uh, as a pro in Europe and in South America, whatever, like the coaches aren't gonna chase you to go work out, like they're gonna give you they're gonna give you all the uh, assets to be good, but now it's up to you. Yeah, so they'll like, just replace you if, 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 that's if it. you're not, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to be on you like a college coach. That's it. Yeah. Like, you're either going to do it. If we like you, maybe I'll give you a second chance. Like, if I like you as a person, maybe mm-hmm. I'll give you a second chance. If not, all right, I'm going to email your agent the plane ticket, and you're gone. And then, like, it's just, and it's that simple. And then, from like I said, for me, it was fear because it was like, fuck. I can't go back home and say I got cut. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. And right. then you have so much downtime when you're over there. You get bored just sitting at, mm-hmm. in your apartment or your hotel watching Netflix or YouTube mm-hmm. or playing the game. So let me just, for two hours, let me just do it on my own. It's the, it's the absolute least I can do. And then you start seeing the success, the turnover. Then it's like, oh, oh, shit, what happens if I do a little more? Then you get a little more. Then it's like I, like we said off camera. Like I still love the 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 minute things. Like oh wait, it's the fourth quarter and I'm not tired. Mm-hmm. That's because I ran a mile and a half, two miles every day in the summer. Oh shit, let me try to let me try to the summer comes around. Let me try to run two and a half miles or three miles because maybe I'll just end the game and just won't be tired. And then like that, like that stuff, it's just 
Like you have to just hold yourself accountable as a for, as a pro on any level. What what mentally is it is it like off the court when you're you're overseas? You've lived in a, in a couple different countries, Luxembourg for multiple years, Finland, Uruguay. But you know, I think a lot of people, you know, there's there's the the work ethic aspect of it that you need to put in to keep your job. There's a certain baseline level of talent you need. Not mm-hmm. every college player, no matter how hard they work, is good enough to hold a job overseas playing playing their sport. But mentally, it's very hard too. Bobby and I have talked about, you know, a lot of teams have caps on the number of Americans or import players they can have. You're probably on a team with only with two other Americans, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe three, maybe one. Uh, and you guys might might not get along, or even if you're cool, they might be. It might be you're on a team with like, you know, a 35 year old at the end of his career. You know, when you're in your early 20s, a 30 year old who's a vet who's trying, you know. And you just don't have a lot in common with them. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do? What What's the experience like off the court overseas? Because a lot of guys are just, they do a couple seasons and they're like, it's not the same as college. Mm-hmm. It's I'm fighting for my job every day because you can have one bad game and get cut or just someone else becomes available that your team thinks is better and you get cut. Mm-hmm. They cut you with no reason, no guaranteed money. Um, or they're just, you know, like, I don't like the grind. I don't like traveling. I don't like year to year not knowing if I have a page, you know, what my next job's going to be. I don't like mm-hmm. being away from my family. Being, like, for you, what's the experience like off the court? And what, what are the keys to kind of being able to, you're approaching a decade overseas as a pro, to, to be able to keep doing it year in and year out? Mm-hmm. For me, I will say the key is just be yourself. Because, like, everybody's genuine no matter where you are, no matter the culture. Like, I'm lucky and, and, and blessed in a way where, like, I have a personality where, like, I could get it. I could be liked or loved by everyone, like because like it's just I'm bubbly. I'm social. I'm sociable. So I I probably only had one real like bad experience off the court, like like outside of like the yeah. basketball was it was in Finland. But like that was it was just it was just a multitude of things. It was it was the COVID year. That was my first time I was that cold in my life. Yeah. It was like negative 30 degrees some days, and we still had to go to practice. We had to walk to practice. Yeah. Mm. It was, I'm from Miami. You don't, you don't see the sun from Thanksgiving until like February or March. Wow. Like, not even like a, like, when they, they told me you don't see the sun, but it's like you have to see the sun, right? Yeah. No, you don't see the sun. Yep. It's 11 o'clock in the morning and it just looks like it's like 5.30 in the evening already. It's, it's just gloomy. And then, like, for me, that was the toughest part. That was the toughest, like, season off the court. But every every other place I've been and played at, it was just it was just natural because I was just, I was just sociable. Like, I was, I'm a genuine person. I like to think. Like, so I could get along with almost anybody. So, like, I could, like, I could try to make everyone feel comfortable. So, but I have heard stories where it's like, guys just didn't like it wasn't even a grind it was just being homesick yeah. being being too cold at 18 I left my parents for four years so like for me I always tell myself this is exactly like me going to Lowell just with no class <laughs> because I knew I was coming I knew I was coming back home some teams I was able to come back home for Christmas and then for sure I'm coming home after the season the same I did in Lowell. I didn't spend a spring break in Miami mm-hmm. once I left. I didn't spend the Thanksgiving in Miami once I left. 
I didn't spend. I, I maybe I got maybe I getting maybe I get like two or three days for Christmas. Right. So, I kind of went overseas in my head when I went to Lowell. So maybe that's why it was easy for me to adjust. But I've definitely heard those stories, and it's just like it's tough because you never know who you're gonna meet. Because I could go sign a contract tomorrow to go let's say to Mexico or something, and now my teammates from Idaho we've never seen each other. So you had to learn how to adjust on the fly. Mm-hmm. Whatever your pre your your preconceived notions were, that you know you had to get rid of them because every year you're with someone else, or it could have been every other week mm-hmm, for someone sure. else, right? Just guys getting cut. How important was it for you to um, be that guy who was so open, you know, that a lot of times you had to forget about yourself just to make the other people around you comfortable? It was. I don't. It was. I, I don't know. Like for me, it was just like it was just natural. Like I like I really can't explain. Like it was just natural, and like what you said about the preconceived notions. I always try to go into every like country I went in. Like I signed to go to go play for a country. Like mm-hmm. when I went to Uruguay, I knew nothing about Uruguay, and then like the agent wrote me like sent me like the wiki page of like the city I was going to, but I didn't read it. Because the pre those preconceived notions, like mm-hmm. I don't want to come here expecting X, Y, and Z, and then I don't get it. Now I'm disappointed. So I g- really go there with no expect. I go to every country I've been to. I went with no expectations. The only expectation I had was I hope the coach speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And then it was my it was one one season um, because I did. I was in Uruguay from July to May, mm-hmm. but they have a summer league. So when I was in that summer league, my coach didn't speak English. That was mm-hmm. the first time that happened to me. Okay. Like not like not English at all. If you speak to me slowly, maybe I can understand what you're saying in English. This is in Uruguay. Yeah, in Uruguay. But the coach he didn't speak English at all. Like he would walk up to me, hola como estás, <laughs> and right. look at me in my eyes, and it's yeah. like that's it. Bien. Yeah and, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then, like, but during timeouts, he will be going ballistic in timeouts. Right. Even yelling at me in Spanish. So now I got to, fuck, you only get a minute, minute and a half in the timeout. And he's yelling at me. So now walking back to the court, I got to figure out what the coach said. Now, there was no one in, on your team to, to Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, but, like, but okay. like, they were getting yelled at, too, so they can't stop him from yelling gotcha. and translate gotcha. to me while, while everybody's being yelled at. So, like, that, that, little, that little pocket of wow. one, two, three team and going back to the court, I have him or we're running, let's say, motion or something. Yeah. I got to get a quick summary of what just happened back then. Wow. Like, wow. I know body language, but, I mean. Wow. It was tough. <laughs> But like that's literally the only that's literally my only expectation I have going over to any country. Just I hope the coach speaks English because the moment you put expectations on things, that's the moment like you get hurt, you get mm-hmm. let down. Okay. And I found that out beginning going back to when I expected my agent to give me a job. Mm-hmm. So because I put I like so then it's like once that happened, then it's like wow, that's it's changed. That's funny because. I remember when I was playing, when I first got to Spain, you know, I didn't speak any Spanish, so we had a guy during timeouts that would be, you know, standing behind me and translating what the coach was saying. Mm-hmm. And finally, the coach got to the point where he told the guy to shut up, right? <laughs> because he felt like he was being interrupted all the time. 
And I know what you mean. You're just trying to figure it out, man. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, there's a common language, you know, uh, in basketball. You know, what? no matter no matter what language you're speaking, you know, okay, well, you know, here are the elbows. Or, you know, you can diagram it and you can figure it mm-hmm. out. But that's tough, man. Oh, my God. I can, oof. The timeouts where he's not writing on the board and he's yeah. just talking. Yeah. It gets tricky. It gets tricky. <laughs> so, you've you've kind of you've played in in uh, some leagues that I think a lot of guys would say you know this isn't insulting but they're not the, the top tier of you know Bobby played in the ACB and in Spain and the you know the, the top league there and there's different levels over there what are your goals at this point in your career is it just to keep going is it to get to a certain level have you had opportunity because I know you were Luxembourg for several years did you have opportunities to go elsewhere and you passed on them or no, honestly, no. It was because what you said, I was playing for leagues, doing those numbers that I was doing were playing in leagues that weren't quite, like, respected. So then it was, um, I was doing well, but then I, I was just, I kind of like, I, and I love Luxembourg, but yeah. I kind of got trapped in it. So then at that point, then it was like, shit, just embrace the culture and just enjoy enjoy the ride. But then the COVID year came, mm-hmm. everybody started taking pay cuts, and then they, they, they couldn't pay. So then that's how I went to Finland. Mm-hmm. But then my agent was like, hey, bro, hey, basically saying, like, hey, like, this is COVID. Like, you kind of just kind of take what, 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 what you're giving right now because, hey, they don't even know maybe they're going to play the season. Wow. So then I go to Finland. Like I said, like, I, 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 I didn't like Finland. Like, I, I, I'm very appreciative for the people and, like, the opportunity, but. I didn't like it. I broke my hand. It was my left hand. Like, like I said earlier, yeah. all I do is go left. So like, it was it was a bad time for me. Uh, and then I turn over, and now I'm back. I go to Uruguay, respect the league. For me, it's the best league I played in. Yeah. And then prior to that, I was I was almost questioning, especially in Finland, I was questioning myself again. Like, maybe I'm not that good. Like, I know like okay, like I know I can score, but like maybe I'm just not that good. Like, it's okay, but maybe I'm not that good. We gotta start to figure out what's next. And again, as soon as I wanna remove, like kinda take a step away from basketball, something keeps me, something pulls me back. And then you say, hey, I got an opportunity to go play in Uruguay in the summer. Like it's a really respected league. And then they have the the fall league and it's really respected. And if you do what you have to do in the in the summer, you're gonna I'm, I'm practically guaranteeing you a contract for the fall. Shit. I know. I I now it's all right. I knew I was good. Now I just got to show them. Mm-hmm. I go to Uruguay in that beginning of that year, go for it, go play for a team. They didn't really have any expectations because that team, like in that year, it was the league last year, nobody could go down. So they, mm-hmm. they just want to, let's just play, let's just have fun, let's compete. They were in the bubble because they were just coming out of that COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's play, let's, let's have fun, let's compete. That's it. We just, we just want to have fun. We're playing with no crowd, we're playing in the bubble, all the games on TV, let's just have fun. Then is playoff come, we get hot. And then I start playing really, really well. But prior to playoffs, but then I start playing really, really well. Now I lead the country in scoring. Now I lead the country in steals. Now it's like, oh shit. And we can win a championship with this team. Let's win a championship. But then we lose in the semifinals. Then I get a job. I get my job where I just finished up playing. Same, same country, but mm-hmm. different the, the, the top league. So now we get the job there, and then it's now I'm I'm 
I'm going through names like that I'm seeing guys that I remember watching you in college, bro. Like Saturdays at the hotel room, getting ready for my game, I'm watching like high majors. Yeah. Quincy mm-hmm. Miller from Baylor when the yeah. Baylor made their run. John Flowers. I guarded John Flowers because nobody else on my team could. <laughs> I guarded John Flowers this season. John, I watched John Flowers have like 20 points in the first half. And then it was, all right, Tom, go guard him. I, that's West Virginia. When West Virginia mm-hmm. was making that run with Bob Huggins, yeah. uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Lefty lefty guard from Nebraska, brown eyes, light skin. He was there. Uh, the big man from VCU. Uh, what's Philadelphia's? Joel Embiid's backup okay. center uh, trailer okay, from Kansas. Yeah. Like, like these are guys I'm looking like. I'm, I'm rubbing elbows with these guys. Now, mm-hmm. now it's like, I knew I was that good. Nobody else just believed it. Right. <laughs> right. Like, I knew I wasn't crazy. I know I'm that good because, like, these guys are coming to me like, yo, we got to stop him. Yo, like, we got to, yo, like, his energy is. I said, like, and I was questioning myself. I knew it, was, it wasn't never me. It was just I was just saying I was never in the situation, but I, I I bring all that to say my end goal is like I said for me I have five years maximum because I still feel good I just turned thirty on Saturday I still feel good my body feels fine but I know like it's a lot of miles and it's a lot of miles on this car right yeah. here so I don't wanna I don't wanna be forced out so I, well, I want to go out but right now like, I just want to just play. Want to make as much money as I possibly can, and just play the best basketball I can. Because this season for me, this year from July to May, solidified to me that I was as good as I thought I was. So you've you've managed to move from one level to the next level to the next level. Right? What did that cost you? Did it did it? Because when I'm playing, when I was playing, I was thinking that. You know, people always talk about having dreams, but they don't understand that. I finally got to the point where I understood that dreams cost. You, you're always paying for what you want next, mm-hmm. right? Just because you were there, so you now you got your, you got your opportunity to keep rising, right? Mm-hmm. Is 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 your intent now to continue rising? Is it? Are you happy where you are? Um, because it sounds like you didn't get the opportunity, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're playing with these guys. Mm-hmm. So you found a new level, right? Do you continue to try to move up levels? 100%. Okay. Because, like, for me, like, like I love, I love the, I love the result, but I love the grind that, that you get to the result. So I like the, the, the I really like these last few years, like I've really like appreciated the journey. Like nobody knows this. I tore my second, I tore both my killers. I tore both my killers. Wow. Left and right. Left one at ULO and right one my first year over in Luxembourg. Wow. So I, sh- I, I shook back from that. And then still athletic. Still, that's why I said, that's why I said earlier, like it's, it's nothing that I did. I just got to thank God. Like, I just, I believe in good karma. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've always, I like to think I've always been a genuine person. And it's like, a, there's most, the moment I want to stop, I get pulled back because it's like, for me, it's like God saying, he's one of the good ones. So I'm still going to, I'm still going to make okay. him kill this. I'm still going to take care of him. And then, like, but for sure, like, I want to keep rising because, like, for me, I really, my gift and my curse is my confidence. Like, I, I probably have enough confidence for all three of us in this room. Just 
the, the confidence that I brought in it. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just, I always know that I can do more. So my question is, how if if it's your confidence, how do you lose it? Because at one point it was only confidence and no work ethic. Okay. So then once once my confidence and my work ethic matched, now you can't take it from me. So it wasn't just your confidence. It was that work ethic that you put into it. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, yes. You wanted that combination. Yes. I think that's what I'm hearing. Yes. But okay. no, but, but prior to that, like, as a kid, mm-hmm. like, I was always a confident child. Mm-hmm. Like, just, but then it was always everything was given to me because of my confidence. Mm-hmm. And I did, I, and I had talent and my personality. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's growing up, they call me Tonio. Oh, it's Tonio. He'll be all right. Mm-hmm. So then, boom. So then the moment I didn't get it, that like that one moment I didn't yep, get it, yep. which and from the beginning it was the 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 recruiting like I wanted to. Then it was like, damn, maybe I'm not that good. I remember my dad told me to go outside and make shots, but like I didn't think it was that important. Then I then I was then I lost a little confidence, but then I worked a little bit, got the scholarship. So then it's then the confidence goes up again because it's I knew it. Why did it go up? Because I was always, I always had it. That I always had the confidence. But then once I did the, once I did a little bit of the work, mm-hmm. it was, I forget about the work. Then it's, oh, it's me. But then, I get another obstacle. Then it's like, damn. That work ethic comes mm-hmm. back. Then the work comes back. <laughs> then it's, shit, I knew it was me. <laughs> and then, then another thing happens. Damn. So like now, like now I'm older. I'm much more mature. I try to bring the work ethic because it's definitely the confidence is the leader, but I try to drag the work ethic along. And, like, I'm in a happy place right now. Like, I just, like, I like the work. Like, mm-hmm. like now, like, I actually like the work. Like, it's not like, fuck, man, I got to go work out today. It's, shit, let me see how fast I can get on the treadmill. Let me see how, like, how fast I get before my legs just, just stop working. Yeah, you mentioned that. You said you, you like the journey. Exactly. Yeah. Because, like, it's just, like, for me, because once, once I told my first Achilles, that's when I kind of, like, really, I locked in with Kobe. Like, I love Kobe. I got the, the tattoo on my leg. I got I do this. Like, I love Kobe. But prior to that, I was a big LeBron fan. But I, I, I'm still a big LeBron fan. But, mm-hmm. like, I lo- once I kind of, like, locked in with Kobe Bryant and, like, the Mamba mentality and just the determination and dedication and just the grind, and then when you look up, then you're there. Mm-hmm. So it's like, damn, let me just put my head down some more and see how far else I could get. And, is, like, now for me, that's what it is. Is the grind always fun? For me, yeah. Because I really genuinely like to look myself in the mirror and say, I told you so. I think one of those things that you, you just made me think of, uh, I can't say this about my own career. You know, we've talked about the different things that happened in my personal life where I, I I had the opportunity to play baseball a lot longer, make a lot more money than I did. But a lot of athletes, I think they don't get your career, no matter how much work you put in, it comes to an end at some point, and then you're faced with the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot easier to make that transition and be happy and be satisfied and content now moving on. I mean, you always miss the sport, I think. To a degree, but you can be, you can go to bed at night a lot easier if you know you put everything you had into it, and that's mm-hmm. what a lot of young kids, I think, do not get. And 
nobody wants to listen to me anymore because I'm fat and I'm old at this point. <laughs> but, like, you know, at one point I wasn't. And what I used to try to impress upon kids when I actually still was an athlete and then when I got into coaching and is, like, it comes to an end. No amount of work you put in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even the longtime baseball fans will know Julio Franco, who was mm-hmm. playing until he was, like, I think he was officially listed at 46. No one knows how old he was, <laughs> right. you know, with the Dominican birth certificates and stuff. <laughs> but, like, but even, even, even for Julio Franco, uh, you know, or, or Satchel Page, like, it comes to an end at some point, no matter yeah. how long. You just you can't stop the hands of time. Right. And it's a lot easier to move on to that next step of life, that next phase of life, if you know that you put everything into it. And kids don't get it. It sounds like that's what you know. You're going to know that mm-hmm. when you're done that like, hey, like, you, you know, you weren't slacking in the summers. You weren't slacking when you were overseas mm-hmm. or in the off season. And there was nobody pushing you anymore. You come back from two ACL, yeah. I mean, two Achilles. That's crazy. Two, that's that's insane. So, like, it sounds like you're a guy that when the end does come, even though you'll miss it, I'm sure everybody that competes misses it, that you will have a sense of... Um, peace with mm-hmm. the fact that you put everything you had into mm-hmm. it. And I think that's a lot of athletes don't have when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. And I was just, ta- sorry, I was just talking maybe, what's today, Tuesday? So maybe like like this weekend, Yeah, mm-hmm. I was saying, hey, listen, when I'm done playing basketball, I'm not buying any more shoes. I'm not going to play at anybody's pickup. I'm not going to play in anybody's adult league because <laughs> I'm going to be done. Like, I, I'm still going to love it because I'm going to be able to watch it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, I want to get into coaching or just, like, just some, something just to stay around the game to help the people under me. I said, if I can't explain it to you in some running shoes, mm-hmm. you don't need to know it from me. <laughs> because I'm not buying any more shoes to play basketball in once I'm done. Once I'm done, I'm done. I will not tie my shoes up anymore to sit down in a defensive stance against anybody. So what do you see in youth Sam and I talk about youth basketball and what we see in AAU and things like that. And one of our pet peeves is is that the kids um, look ill prepared to handle adversity, whether mm-hmm. it's a bad call, whether you know uh, they're not playing well, so they decide to take it out on a teammate. Mm-hmm. What would your advice, having gone through what you've gone through, what would your advice be to younger players today? As cliche as it sounds, and you got to trust the process, like. Like, everything's not going to go your way, no matter how good you are, no matter how, like, cool they look on Instagram or uh, rivals. They still use rivals. Now I'm starting to, like, say I'm a little old now, but they still Mm -hmm. use rivals. So, like, rivals or, like, no matter how good, like, or how many stars you have, like, you just have to, you have to kind of stay true to who you are. Like, just, I just put your head down and grind, but it's easier said than done because not a lot of people are willing to do it because they just want the the end satisfaction and they don't want to go on that journey. They don't know what it takes. If there's no amount of, of talent that will um, make you immune to adversity, and, and I'm going to date myself with some of these references, but you think about, like, Jerry Rice, one of the greatest, not one of, he's the greatest wide receiver right. of all time. I'm sorry, anyone that says Randy Moss. No, 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 I'll give Moss two. Uh, but, too. like, Jerry Rice has set every record in the book, never been hurt, never been any, the craziest work ethic ever, mm-hmm. suffers a catastrophic injury, you know, it's kind of two-thirds away towards his career. Mm-hmm. Had the choice of either that being it, Hall of Fame, or still everyone at that Absolutely. point, using the grace, comes back. 
to Kobe, you know, suffers a torn Achilles. You know, mm-hmm. he's that there are other greats that have suffered injuries and they've just never been the same. He has to put in the work. You know, Michael Jordan, not an injury, but tragically, you know, horrifically lost his dad. You mm-hmm. know, that that's another kind of adversity. But there's no amount of I of just talent that and even work ethic that's going to make you immune to something out of your control an injury yeah. something in your personal life whatever and I, I think it's a very rare and special breed of person that can get back up from that and kind of keep going through the process and mm-hmm. you have to do that multiple times with Achilles well not being recruited Achilles no job for a year Achilles again like mm-hmm. it, it's it, it says something I think like for me I, I thank you I appreciate it but like for me once I got like a little older I just control what I can control. And you can't worry about everything else. Like, okay, I know I put up X amount of shots this week. I know I'm in shape. But, like, if nothing happens, I can't stop that because I know I want that to happen, but I can't control it if that happens. Only thing I can do is be ready because if it does happen and I'm not ready, who's to blame? How, how, how long did it take you to understand that you needed to continue to grow? Because if you're reaching level after level after level, then that surely shows growth each time, mm-hmm. right? So whether it was you know to bring that work ethic along with your confidence, right, mm-hmm. or to work a little bit harder, doing a little bit of, you know some more miles, I'm sure you had bad games, right? Hundred percent. So after those bad games and you're under all that pressure mm-hmm. of a non-guaranteed contract, what kept you calm? Because, like. Honestly, because I knew the, the confidence kept me calm. Because I, rem- I remember, the, I rem- I'm about to tell you guys a story. First game of the season, this was in Luxembourg. I can't tell you the exact year, but we had just moved up to the first league. First game of the season, packed gym. It was me and another American. We get our ass handed to us solely because of Antonio Bivens. <laughs> solely because of me. Like, no other way around it. And then... Saturday night, I never forget. I take a shower, I look at myself in the mirror, and like I like I was kind of like happy because it was like if I wanted this to happen to anybody else, my other American played well, but this is his first time on that team. Mm-hmm. Other American first time in the country, first time on that team. And I looked at myself, I said, if I wanted this to happen to anybody else, I wanted it to be you. Because I have the confidence in myself that I was bounced back. So driving back to our apartment, I said, Hey bro, like I'm really happy for you. Like, I just play like shit. I'm really happy for you because you played well. Mm-hmm. I promise you, next game we're going to win. I had like 35 points and I made the buzzer beat next game. <laughs> because, like, for me, it's like, okay, I rewatch it. Like, I'm, I, like I, I, re-watched, I rewatched the film. Then I rewatched it only looking at me. Then I rewatched it only looking at me. Then I rewatched it, only looking at me, and I changed it. It's like, for me, like, I kind of, I'm at the point now where, like, when I see adversity, I kind of, like, say yes. Because now I can bounce back from it. And, like, you see, like, I'm getting, like, I set up in my seat, like, I'm smiling because it's like, we lose a game and it's like, okay, now we can figure out why. Mm-hmm. And then if it's, if I'm the reason why we lose the game, it makes me happier because I know I can work on that. 
Well, Antonio, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, it was a really great conversation. We're looking forward to seeing where you land next year, getting to follow that career some more. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you guys for having me, man. It was so, a great talk for me. For one last time, you know, all time, who's the better dunker, you or Kerry Weldon? 100% me. <laughs> 100%. <laughs>